Hello, dear friends, and thank you for tuning into this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom with Marissa Rada Wepner. I'm sharing with you today a conversation I have with Rachel Johansson back in, I want to say, early June. And she is such an amazing powerhouse, goddess, beautiful, delightful, incredible woman that I met last year at uh, the Ram Dass retreat. She was there with her partner and the Sangha, and she was someone that I saw that I had one of those intuitive feelings that was something like, she's on my team. And I just loved her vibe and her energy and who it seems like she was and who she uh, held herself to be. And we got to know each other a little bit more at the second Ramdas retreats and then just kind of stay con- stayed connected through social media. And I reached out to her this spring to have this conversation because I love women supporting women. I love it. I love women seeing other amazing strong, empowered boss ladies and saying, yeah, let's, let's, uh, support each other and get to know each other more instead of having like a feeling of competition or I don't like you cause you're amazing. It's instead, I love you cause you're amazing. And I want to know more about you. So I reached out to her and I learned that she does so much. She's a transformational coach. She facilitates plant journeys for addiction therapy. She has her own treatment center with that, the Roots of Hope that uses Ibogaine to treat addiction. And she teaches consciousness classes. She crafts botanical wellness elixirs. She does energy healing and she's a tattoo shop owner. I said to her early in this podcast, you'll hear, I'm like, you live in California, right? She's like, no, Winnipeg, Canada, which surprised me because she seems like the perfect gorgeous, amazing, owning it, California woman, but she's doing all these incredible things in Winnipeg, Canada. You can see more about her treatment center, The Roots of Hope, at The Roots of Hope, The Root, sorry, rootofhope.com, The rootofhope.com. That's uh, her center for addiction treatment using Ibogaine. And then soulsurvivorbodyart.com is the tattoo shop that she runs. She has the uh, cosmicelixircompany.com. That's for her wellness elixirs. And then you can just see more about her and her transformational coaching and energy healing at racheljohansson.ca. And that's R-A-C-H-E-L-J-O-H-A-N-S-O-N. That's CA, Rachel Johansson. So, gosh, you'll hear in this conversation just lots of crossovers with my own interests, which was so fun to get into. And uh, yeah, just super powerful. So, I'll get to that conversation pretty quickly. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who supports the podcast through Patreon. It means a lot to me. And you can also support the cop. The, this podcast by giving it a five-star rating on Apple, the platform that rates it and gives it those stars. So it's super handy for the growth of the podcast to have more ratings and reviews. So if you haven't done it yet, please consider doing that. You can do it right now. And it's very, very helpful. And uh, yeah, yeah, you guys, you know, the last podcast, the couple 
podcast that I had there in July, I was moving through the transition of closing my studio, Sage Yoga and Wellness Source Meditation Space. It's just kind of on ice for the time being, just kind of sitting there hovering in uh, like a purgatory type zone as we navigate the quarantine and the lockdown. But Sage has seen its time come and go. And I had, I felt like the most graceful exit possible through the studio and so much help from so many people, too many to name, but you know who you are. And I'm just, yeah, incredibly, incredibly grateful for my community of friends and colleagues and supporters and students. And I look forward to especially connecting to the students again and teaching yoga, though I haven't quite figured out what my schedule will be. I'm also right now beginning to homeschool. So that's uh, homeschool like slashy, I mean, online distance learning, right? So my little third grader, he's begun school already. And so navigating what that looks like in our household and what that means for how much time I'm going to have for the classes and also just giving myself in between time space with this huge like I think if it's sometimes like the statement of state to puff marshmallow man that was sage yoga and wellness lumbering through downtown and it just got exploded and all this energy got released and where that's going to land and how it will move from formless to form again, I'm not totally sure, but it's, you know, incubation stage. I'm not too quickly jumping into anything just yet. And that feels good. That feels really good. So that's my little update for y'all, for all y'all. Like I said, I appreciate those Patreon supporters so much, especially during this time as a uh, Lots of things have changed. I do still have the Sage Yoga and Wellness Yoga Teacher Training Program that I run with my uh, partner in crime with that, Naomi Jones. We aren't doing our fall training like we have been these past few years just because we recognize it's kind of a strange time to start a training and it's hard for many of us to commit to that kind of time. So we're pushing that I think all the way out into the spring, but I am still taking new students for our 300 hour teacher training program who have their their training and mentorship directly under me. So if you're a 200 hour registered yoga teacher trainer and you're looking to become a 500 hour registered yoga teacher training, trainer, teacher, the 300-hour program is for you because 200 plus 300 is 500. And that's how you get to be a 500-hour RYT is that kind of training. And Sage is still offering that. We've all got all kinds of great modules and courses that you take to move through that pathway. So if you're interested in becoming a 500-hour teacher, send me a message. You can still reach me at the Sage info at sageyogaboise.com and I'll let you know all about what that looks like. Yeah, I need some yoga. (laughs) I need some yoga now more than ever. I'll tell you what. I'm going to turn you over to Rachel now, this wonderful conversation with Rachel Johansson. I adore her so, 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 so much. And I know that you will as well. I'm here with Rachel Johansson. And Rachel, you're in Winnipeg, is that right? 
That's right. Yep. Winnipeg, Canada. Because they kind of pegged you for a Cali girl. I got that a lot. I've gotten that a lot, but no, no. Uh, like <laughs> central Canada. Born and raised there? Born and raised. Yes. Wow. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And you, I mean, looking into your bio and all the things that you do, there's so much. And I think this is why, you know, I don't know you that well personally. We haven't had much one-on-one time, but there's a resonance of like, uh, she is a fucking badass. And <laughs> then looking, <laughs> looking into it, I'm like, oh yeah, she is. She describes herself as a magician and a warrior and a mother and a tattoo shop owner and runs an Ibogaine center and does tarot and does counseling and psychology and psychedelics and ancient cultures and all of the things that I love too. So good on you. Good on you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that we've connected too about ancient cultures, like when... I knew that you had been to Palenque. I was like, oh, I know this girl. You know, I felt like I knew you in, um, you know, a more intimate way. It's a very special place. So, yeah, I feel the same. And not many people, you don't hear people often say Palenque. So when you do, you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, yes. Yeah. The first time I went there, it was, I found Mayan mythology, history, culture. I studied a lot when I was a kid. I had one of those like National Geographic, like ancient civilization books just around the house for whatever reason. It was one of the things I looked at almost constantly, even though I didn't know what I was looking at. And then when I was in like 1920, I found like Jose Arguelles and his work. And then was just so fascinated by the Mayans in a different way and planned a two-week backpacking trip with my boyfriend at the time through the Yucatan. And it was maybe like 99. And we just went all through the different sites, all as many as we could. And Palenque was like a highlight, like the biggest one that we were going to in, in my feeling at that time. And I've been back a few times since, but it's, yeah. Tell me about your experience in Palenque. So I have also like I drove, actually, I moved from Winnipeg to Cozumel, Mexico. My partner and I owned a tattoo. We opened up a tattoo shop there at the time. We had fallen in love with uh, Mexican culture and history. And so um, I've actually driven from Winnipeg all the way. We sold our car and other things that we had. We put everything into this 1989 Chevy touring van, the best vehicle. And we drove all the way. I've driven from Ottawa, Canada to Nosara, Costa Rica. Whoa. Amazing. That was back in 2002. Yeah. Okay. We did this, I think, in 2006. Okay. And then Um, you lived in Cozumel? Yeah. Yeah. For about um, off and on for a few years, but solid for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, But... um, a friend of mine um, on Cozumel had suggested to go to Palenque. And so we were under like strict instruction with it, like the campground that we were staying at, everything. Mm-hmm. Is it, was it Mirabel? Is that the one that's near? Maya Bell. That's Maya right. Maya Bell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and being there, it is the closest that I feel like when I'm there, I feel like I'm holding a vein of the mother. Like I can feel her pulse in every step I take Mm. and there's this sense of aliveness and 
vibrancy that I experience. And of course, those feelings are inside of us, right? And we technically have access to them without being in these places, but there's some kind of communication as well that happens, you know, between you and the land. Um, and it's, it's, it takes words <laughs> out of my mouth. It's sometimes hard to find the words to match the energy of what you do experience. Mm-hmm. But um, when I'm there, I feel like I go home. So yeah, it's a very, very special place. And you go back often now or every couple years? It's been a long time. You know, we were married um, by the uh, Lacandone uh, Maya, uh, by the Lacandone Maya there, the first white white folks <laughs> wow. um, to experience that. And we haven't been back since. So it's been about seven years. And normally I was there far more often every year, every couple of years. But I did Ibogaine in 2013, and that's when I, you know, I was able to overcome my addiction at the time. And then we got married like a month later. So it was an amazing, amazing trip to go back. And the Ibogaine was in Palenque in Mexico? No, no. We did Ibogaine in Canada. Um, Ibogaine has a legal status here in Canada. So, Mm. and I'm sure in Mexico as well, but we did it here. And then after that, we, we went there and Mm. yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've been back since that, since gosh, it must, it was, mm, it's been probably almost 15 years now since I've been down to the Yucatan. I've been to the other side, you know, Cancun and different spots there, but that was the last time now was still probably like 2011. It's been a while since I've gotten that far down. I usually go now just to Teotihuacan. There's a teacher there that I have and I love to do the work through that site. Yeah. Very cool. Did you hear about the mercury that they just found under Teotihuacan? Please tell me. Okay. So there's like a river of mercury that they discovered. I'm sure it's Teotihuacan. And if I'm wrong, I will like own that. But I'm sure they did. And there was this um, parallel between like um, um, like space travel and using mercury as um, a medium or as like a necessary component of that. And so to find this river of mercury under Teotihuacan is, has had a lot of implications for research more in that direction. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know the temple of the sun had layers where it was um, malachite, the malachite sheets. I'm pretty sure that's it. Like the gray flat. What is that? that, Isn't that malachite? Malachite is a green. Oh wait, you're right. It is green. What's the M1 that's like um, gray, flaky, thin? Oh, mica. Mica, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mica. Like okay. sheets of it. Yeah. Sheets yeah. of mica. So there's sheets of mica cool. in like the top layer of the Temple of the Sun. And interestingly, there's this horrible piece of history where it was like in the mid um, 20th century, an archaeologist from Mexico City just decided to go to Teotihuacan and totally redesign the Temple of the Sun. And so it like didn't even have five layers, it had four. And he just reshaped it and took out the mica. Whoa. I know. So it's different than it was originally, but I, yeah, I love, I love vibing on that possibility of what was happening there. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's cool. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And what else, what else have you been up to? You said when we were speaking a moment ago before we started that you're teaching Qigong. I am doing like um, a Qigong on Zoom um, a couple times a week on Mondays and Fridays. And I am taking currently a, a releasing class. So it's releasing um, different different programs of want. There's three programs of want. And it's really the essence and the goal is to sort of move into a place of being lighter and happier mm-hmm. and freer because these programs of want, of wanting control, of wanting approval, of wanting safety, um, you know, keep us in a state of not having these um, freer places to exist in. And so I'm really, I'm really been enjoying, especially in these evolutionary times that we're in right now to take that conscious time to assess like, where am I right now? Am Mm -hmm. I wanting control? Control, safety and approval. Mm -hmm. And they are, um, it was a, a technique that was pioneered by Lester Levinson in the seventies. And it is, um, these wants exist across culture and socioeconomic status. And so, and they exist in all of us. And mm-hmm. um, it's been quite exploratory to really dive into that and, you know, just enjoy the freedom and to rest in that. Mm-hmm. You know? And they sort of interweave together, right? Mm-hmm. Safety and approval are together and control and safety are together. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does that yes. relate to your work with access bars? I was looking at that oh, cool. a little bit on your website. Do you know anything about uh, access I had consciousness? Never, I never had heard of it. Amazing. So um, shortly after I did Ibogaine, um, you know, I really was catapulted into this state of consciousness that I had never really known existed before. So I began exploring and uh, my first... And what sort- kind of state of consciousness was that? That's a really good question. What kind of state of consciousness was that? I guess like um, like an awakening where mm-hmm. I knew that I was more than what I had ever thought of myself as previously. And it's sort of, you know, when you're, uh, I'll speak freely, I hope that's okay. But, you mm-hmm. know, I was a heroin addict for eight years prior And so to be liberated from addiction within like a 24 hour period and other uh, aspects, you know, like I was a pack a day smoker. I, that was done essentially, you know, um, and many other things. So, so many things that I never believed were possible were immediately available. Mm -hmm. And I, In, in the psychedelic experience, I don't know personally that much that happens in the Ibogaine space, but I know it's used a lot for addiction treatment. And so I'm curious, while you're having the Ibogaine experience, do you have the realization I'm not addicted anymore? Or is it only afterwards where you're, where it's like, there's no craving or desire anymore? 
everybody has a different experience of what that will be for them. Um, you know, and that happens in different, like different times along that, along that path or in that experience. But for me, speaking honestly, within 45 minutes of ingesting it, I had a very strong um, awareness of, I will never do drugs ever again. And I never did. It was so deep and strong within me. And to go back to what that awareness um, moment was, um, it's difficult to grab onto again. Mm-hmm. But I remember it didn't. And then I have to, of course, go through the rest of the 24-hour experience of it because it is a 24-hour um, trip, essentially. So it was just a strong knowing of this is never going to be a part of your life again. Um, instinctually or in, I, I, I was the person who would put like six sugars in her coffee and like eat like bags of candy from 7-Eleven. And I would smoke cigarettes all day long, Um, you know, and all of those things were immediately gone. I had no craving for any of them. Mm. I had like almost a strong aversion to it. It was so like unbelievable in my mind to really perceive that shift in like, it's like a total paradigm shift. So Without, it sounds like effort beyond taking the substance. Like you weren't like working in that space to have that realization, though maybe that was your intention going into it. And then it unfolded for you. My intention going into it was, you know, I I did take it to, you know, um, break the addiction cycle to heroin. Um, And then those other things were a natural, were like like a side effect almost. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it happened in different ways too, like in patterns of thought before I lived in this complete like world of victimization where people, oh, he did, he did this to me. And that also completely changed. Um, So almost bringing it back full circle to access consciousness, part of what access gave me was, you know, this power of being completely responsible for my experience of you know, what I, and what I choose is, um, is all me. And I felt so empowered by this and Ho'oponopono too. Ho'oponopono mm-hmm. was something I found right after Ibogaine. Oh, beautiful. I could not believe, um, that you, that you could be responsible for yourself. I had never even like had that as a thought before. And so, I embraced it wholeheartedly. I went to Hawaii. I learned from Hugh Len. Um, and then I just began exploring different modes of consciousness. For, like those, how- for those that don't know, describe Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono to me is this ancient Hawaiian, um, it's like ancient Hawaiian mysticism, uh, this art of practicing love and gratitude and forgiveness with total responsibility for what you experience. So things that maybe come into your field, um, your past, um, it's this way of almost like 
clearing all of our cords of attachment to what we think those experiences are to us or for us Mm -hmm. and really stepping into this space of ownership of them. Yeah. And in like a real world sense, it might be like you're in a disagreement with your partner and you're really upset with them. And at first it feels like I'm mad at you because you did that. You did this, yeah. And then you pull it back to you and there's sort of like a prayer with it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, uh, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And so in that prayer, it is um, designed to heal our reactive state to whatever we might be experiencing. It could be with the other, or it could be even within ourselves, you know, very often, although I was saying it, um, thinking of somebody else, I was the one who was experiencing the feelings of love and the feelings of gratitude. So essentially it was saying it to myself. Mm -hmm. And the feelings of forgiveness too. Yeah. 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 So Honoponopono combines with and then access consciousness. Access where, consciousness. Yeah. And then many other things. And then Ramdas. And then, <laughs> you know, so. Um, but the access still described that a little bit more because it sounded like it had to do with the energy lines in the head and re yeah. getting those to like flow almost maybe like cranial sacral, but not. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Somebody was just talking to me about cranial sacral and I'm not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So access consciousness has a body process called the bars. And it's essentially like a 32-point touch-based system on our heads. So we, you go and touch different ones and it is to remove the electrical charge on certain um certain ideas, certain thoughts that we have about, um, you know, how we are creative, how we make money about kindness, about sex, about our body. And essentially it's like a discharge on Mm -hmm. those points so that we can then create from a place of possibility instead of limitation, um, which is sort of how we're patterned to, create reality. Yeah, the past, the old story. That's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there dialogue with it? There can be. There can be, um, like, they call it um, clearing statements. Mm -hmm. So it's to bring up a certain energy so that you can uh, release it or increase your awareness of, of that. So if, you know, some of my clients have been like, oh, I you know, I really struggle with finances and, um, you know, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know how to sort of create beyond what I'm kind of in right now. So we might create a clearing statement that might look like, um, what energy space and consciousness can me and my body be to exponentialize my money and income with total ease and everything that doesn't allow that to show up, I will destroy and uncreate it all. And then there's a little like clearing thing that you say after. Mm. So, and it's, it's kind of like brings up the energy in like non-linear ways to get past like our thinking mind to like 
uh, a place where the algorithm <laughs> doesn't run mm-hmm. um, so that it can be cleared on a really deep level. So I really love it. I've loved clearing statements for a, a really long time. Um, it has a really powerful, uh, I, I really was in access for a long time, a couple of years, like very strongly. It's not something that's like 100% present for me um, right now. As you said previously, like there's a lot of things that are sort of in my <laughs> life. So it's like hard to like sometimes hold on to all of them like along the I way. Feel but... I feel you. I feel you. A jack so. of all trades, but it's, I don't know. I've always lived my life like that because cool. this is what happens because I have so many interests and sometimes mm-hmm. I have like the shame story of like, well, you should be more specialized or more of like the deep root. I'm like, but my tendency is just to gather it all. I love it all. And it all weaves together. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think too, in Access, one of the things that, um, you know, we say there's humans and humanoids, you know, and humanoids always love having like multiple things on the go. You know, they're this creative excitement um, or exciting energy in the world. And I find myself in the same, in the same place. I love exploring. I love learning new things. Um, I love weaving together different ideas and, you know, sometimes they stay and sometimes they go and come back and I love riding that wave. So as a a tattoo shop owner now, Mm. are you guys getting ready to reopen? We have been um, announced that we will be in the phase two in our province uh, in Canada so we are still kind of waiting on a date. I do believe um, that should be announced shortly. So it hopefully we'll be back very soon. Yeah. I'm well, looking forward to it. Sort of fortunately, tattoos aren't the kind of thing you can take online. Yeah. You can't get a Zoom tattoo. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the need's not going to go away. The need's not going to go away. It'll just have slightly different protocols. Yeah. I'd imagine. We already have a lot of PPE in place. Totally. So... Tattoo shops are one of the cleanest places. And actually, uh, my partner, um, you know, there's a bylaw that exists in our province that has very, not like strict, but very, in my opinion, high level and thorough um, policies in regards to sanitization and sterilization practices. And he actually wrote the bylaw that exists in our province. We were one of the first provinces in Canada. And he did this like, oh gosh, 17 years ago. So um, we've we're very prepared um, to sort of address whatever may be, uh, you know, new for us to implement. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. What's the general sentiment up there north of the border in Canada? Like in the, in the environment and in the culture and in the news media and just, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. what's it feeling like now? Well, where I live, um, there are under 30 active cases um, in the province. And it sort of feels probably a little bit more relaxed in than it is in other places, but, you know, I feel like we've all been so isolated. It's hard to really extend out to see what's going on out there. And, um, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people who are really cautious, who are upset with 
the government reopening and, you know, want more safety, more safety and um, that level of risk to be addressed in a stricter way. And then there's other people that are like, it's time to move out of the lockdown and reopen the economy, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would imagine like that kind of similar, it's similar sim- similarity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, and the, you're in Idaho, right? Yeah. I'm in Boise, yeah. Idaho. Mm-hmm. Cool. So a little bit more rural and removed as well. And a mixed bag of folks here with the Democrats and the Republicans. The most of the state is Republican for sure, but not here in Boise. And it feels, it's so interesting because it feels divisive in that way. Like there's not like a clear, like we're all doing this because, you know, I'm going to wear a mask because maybe I want to help you. And and there's a lot of folks that don't want to wear masks because they don't give a fuck. And, or they're like, well, I'm not buying into this or, well, I'm not going to get sick. I don't care if I get sick. And so it's just like, and it's become very politicized, like, well, Democrats wear masks and Republicans don't. And that's just kind of that Mm. now. (laughs) Yeah. That's been something that's been on my mind a lot is, you know, all of the thoughts that we're all having about, about whatever it is that, you know, is, um, like front and present for us in our community, it's actually creating like more separation between us. Um, you know, it feels like allegiances are, are forming. Mm-hmm. Or um, pods, even with like, yeah. I can hang out with you because I haven't been exposed to you, but I can't hang out with you anymore. There's that on the, on the personal level and the allegiances and Oh, even just the sense of separation of wearing a mask and what that represents. Yeah, I, I agree. There's, there's a lot of challenges I think that we have moving forward in order to maintain that sense of community in humanity. And I've been really curious about that. Um, I've been asking a lot of questions like of myself in order to, you know, really go into what would, what would bring us together in, um, you know, in a stronger way, because it seems like, you know, the gap is getting greater. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious too about just um, considering my wording right now. Um, You can speak freely. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I've really just been aware that the people who, the, the reaction that's coming out right now from, like, um, people who are not necessarily um, concerned about the, concerned about coronavirus um, in the same way as people who are concerned about coronavirus, is the reason, in my opinion, the separation seems to be so clear, is that the people, I feel weird saying the people, but... You know, people who at this point, masks are very prominent, uh, it seems like. So I'll use that as an example. But the people who are wearing, who are concerned that we should all be wearing masks and that it is important. And then the people who feel the opposite, ultimately, it's because 
there's this lack of, they feel that if we don't wear masks, that we're in this totalitarian kind of agenda. Um, if we wear a mask. Or, sorry, if we wear yeah. the mask. Yeah, thank you. That we're, you know, um, kind of abiding to this totalitarian agenda um, makes them feel very unsafe mm-hmm. to do it. To wear the mask. To wear the mask. What does it represent that I'm giving up by putting this on? And then on the other side, um, the individuals who feel the importance, you know, that deep importance of wearing the mask, others who don't, they feel that they're unsafe. You know, Mm -hmm. so I feel like there's this lack of safety more than just getting the coronavirus. It's in in a deeper way. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lack of safety. And it's ironic because that's what's kind of being forced at us is this is for your safety. Mm -hmm. This is for your own good. And it's making most people feel very unsafe because of all of the unknowns and that dominant narrative or or there's several dominant narratives. And, and it's, yeah, it's true that our government is untrustworthy. I would agree about the Canadian government. <laughs> um, you know, I it, it, like time and time again, and things come out of in history, right, where the government has lied to the population. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've definitely been evaluating a lot of a lot of things that. Um, we're being told right now. That is for sure. And I think that, you know, I was in Mexico. I was in Palenque when all of this was happening. I came home on March 15th, I think. And so, and I remember like looking at my phone, you know, we had the little news app and it was like the only thing that was on the news. The only thing was the coronavirus day after day. And I was like suspect of it in some way. I was like, you know, this is all that they're showing us right now and it just you know a little little spidey sense went off um would you have foreseen in that moment the lockdown did you feel it coming um i was really removed from it and i guess i existed in this um place of disbelief you know when i came home i was like i even thought then i was like oh we'll be back at work in a couple weeks you know, 65 days, the longest I guess we've been out of work in 20 years. So, um, which is how long I've, we've had the tattoo studio. So no, I did not, I did not perceive it. I think I was living in a different, <laughs> different reality at that point, <laughs> which is fine. Which is fine. Yeah, that's fine. It is fine. And then it came on, and it's it's a lot of it's been a red flag, probably, in the way that it's unfolded for you. Yeah, I would say it has been. Yeah, on many levels. And did you? Where were you when? When did you guys go into lockdown? We we had just gotten back from Australia. We were there for about three weeks and um, Krishna was following it because he's in, uh, he does that. He's like a news kind of guy. He stays up on things. I'm not. I get mostly my news source from him filtered in through conversation. (laughs) Same with Eric. 
Eric is like the news guy. And then I kind of received from him. So he was saying, this is going to be a big deal. We need to prepare for this as soon as we got back. So that was the end of February. We need to prepare for this. I think we were like the first people to um, like coronavirus shop, like in early March. He's like, let's go and get some things. And I, interestingly, the first thing he said was, (laughs) I'm like, we need to get more toilet paper. And he said, really? I'm like, oh yeah, trust me. You just wait. And then like two weeks later, that was the thing. And it was all out. We had already gotten ours (laughs) at a time when you could get, still get Charmin at the store. And, um, yeah. And so he was kept putting that into my psyche. Like, this is going to be a thing. I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. And then I could, we had a festival here in Boise, Treefort Music Fest that was scheduled for March 25th to begin. And by like the second week in March, I'm like, it's not going to happen. They hadn't canceled Mm -hmm. yet, but I could feel like it's just, I know it's, it's not going to happen. I knew intuitively. And, and, And then looking back even further, I remember getting like an astrology reading in um, my birthday last year. So February of 2019 and in the reading, he said, March of 2020 is going to be a really intense shadow time. Lots of things are going to come up and it's going to be right over when Treefort Music Fest is. And that was always kind of in my head, a little bit in the background, like what's this thing going to be that's going to come up? So maybe the, having that awareness as this was coming towards us, I'm like, oh, here it comes. It's almost like you can see the big wave on the horizon. And now in the beginning, I thought I can sense, or it seemed like I was sensing it's going to get worse before it gets better, but I didn't know what that meant. And I don't know. Outwardly, of course, in my very privileged demographic, it hasn't gotten worse, but I recognize how insulated my life is from other people have a much, much, much worse in many, many, Absolutely. many ways. Yeah. But yeah. I have, I, ha- I admit that I have fear about what, where we're going to land. And so I feel like I'm just trying to do my best as we're creating a bridge from where we were that no longer is to where we're going to be to, um, be as awake in that process as possible. And it's somewhat challenging to my internal natural state of being because I'm not naturally an activist, though I keep myself informed and I might make personal choices. I'm not out there on the street, if that makes sense. I, I, it totally makes sense. I resonate with that a lot. I wouldn't consider myself an activist either. Um, So, and these are, you know, it feels like visionary times. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, holding that vision of the future, um, you know, I've been envisioning the future as a garden, you know, is that's been like a, like a returning theme for me. Sometimes when I go into overwhelm, (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know, I can return to the garden of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just had this thought today, actually. I'm like, okay, trying to put a positive spin on it. I'm like, if we're doing less commuting, I have I have a brick and mortar business too, my yoga studio. I'm like, well, if the yoga studio is not, I don't have it anymore and all these other businesses go away and this need for like buildings to have businesses in go away. Mm-hmm. 
and we're more virtual and online and more earth returns and trees return and parks return where all of those buildings were for businesses to be. I'm like, that would be good. That would be, that would be incredible, you know? So were there, when you were back, were there like some red flags for you that were going up about, I'm, I sort of know a little bit about what's been in the States as well, right? Because we're all on social media and like, kind of. Well, I'm a skeptic at heart and I've been, I've been, I, I guess I started down the road of on like going beyond the dominant narrative as a teenager. And so that's kind of it uh, that comes up for me. It's like, Oh, what else is actually going on here? Then we're being told because we've been lied to many, 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 many times. We just have to think of nine 11, right? Like that wasn't too long ago. And I would think that most people know by now that that wasn't the way that it was played out. Wasn't actually true. Yeah, what we were told from the media. Yes. And so I'm wary to begin with. And and I'd like to just hold more narratives at once than the dominant theme, but also take that in. And Christian and I somewhat differ on this too. And so we would have conversations or I would share things with him, like look at this article or read this thing or hear this thing from this person. He might get a little edgy, like, you know, why are you saying that that's what it is? I'm like, I'm not, I just want to talk about it. Like, I just want to like take in this opinion and then digest it and have a conversation with you about it. And then once you could get that, it's like, oh, okay, I can look at this and we can have a conversation about it. Cause I'm like, I'm just in the, I don't know space. I don't know. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever know. I probably won't. I'm sure no. But one thing <laughs> I know is that I won't know, but I'm very curious and I want to just talk. I want to talk about it. What are the possibilities? What are the options? And then, and then pluck them apart and be like, yes, no, maybe. But really staying with the, I don't know. I do not know. I, I agree. Um, I think that You know, I have been following my awareness with this as much as possible. And that may sound like not like a very intangible um, course of action. But for me, there's following energy is usually it takes me out of the need of being right. You know, Mm. I feel like, you know, I'm able to sort of become aware of the lightness of something when I read it or if something is really heavy. Mm-hmm. And if I read something and it feels really light, even though the content of it may not be like warm and fuzzy, you know, I usually am like, well, I feel like there's an element of truth here. Mm-hmm. And when I hear something or read something, I'm like, oh God, this feels so heavy. You know, usually I recognize it as a lie. Mm-hmm. And that may be completely inappropriate for people, um, you know, and how to sort of navigate, um, this information that we're being overwhelmed with. But for me, it sort of has kept me in line with my inner compass or intuition, Mm -hmm. because I think sometimes the overwhelm and all of the information take us out of that. And we go into a 
reactive state sometimes. So yeah, I don't sense, know if that makes sense. No, it does. And a sense of okay. separation too, of duality, us versus them. And I try to avoid the things that create that mindset too, yes. of, of the blame or the fear or the victim mindset, those kinds of things. And, and I guess one thing I've been thinking of could be a positive container as I, I think we're all I wouldn't say all, many of us are taking this as an opportunity to really challenge ourselves and to go deeper within ourselves and integrate more too, because we're having all of this time, one alone to be able to process and really feel our emotions and experiences in a much fuller, richer way, because we're not jumping from speeding from one thing to the next. So feeling the multiplicity of my experience too, and sort of holding that like, oh, this is so multifaceted for myself. And sometimes I feel really positive and I feel really negative or I feel really neutral and it's all of it. I'm so multidimensional with this. Oh, everybody is. And that can help me take, take myself out of the judgment or duality too, where I'm like, everybody's layered with this. Mm-hmm. Everyone or I would think internally, maybe they're not aware of it, but yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. We're afraid. And it's really difficult to stay conscious through, you know, uh, the teaching that we're receiving right now. And I think if you are able to stay conscious and navigate that multiplicity, you know, um, for me, I have, my compassion has increased exponentially mm. for for everyone for and i have been so grateful that that has been the quality that i have cultivated in this um naturally as well you know where before i would find myself in judgment of somebody like you know um and then like having a compassionate thought about what they're experiencing um, instead of judging them as wrong for it, mm-hmm. it's been so illuminating for me. And I've realized how judgmental I am. <gasps> oh my gosh. You know? Um, so that's been like such an amazing, uh, place of growth for me and just being able to share that with my partner as well. Um, you know, to point out like a compassionate thought that we could choose instead I mean, my gosh, how amazing is it to have loving and compassionate thoughts about somebody else? It is, we're the ones that then get to feel the feelings of love and compassion. Like you were saying with the Honoponopono, like you feeling that, you felt that within yourself through doing that experience. It's the same with judgment. It's the same. same. Yeah, I agree. So that's been like quite the exploration for me in my own um, journey through through all of this. Yeah. Um, and I see, you know, people on social media, I feel like I sound so accusatory when I say these people, <laughs> it's not, I don't mean to sound like that. Um, you know, and they're like, Oh, I'm calling the herd of my Facebook because so-and-so, you know, said something that's not in alignment with their beliefs. Um, and it's been really challenging to just like, include all of that you know to include all of that and it's just it's 
been quite a quite a ride that is for sure these are yeah if we can come out of this with that state of consciousness more practiced that's a beautiful outcome it would be so amazing you know i i can't condone other people saying you know saying that people are sheeple or selfish i mean ultimately you know i I feel like we need to, you know, these are our brothers and our sisters. That's how I'm thinking right now, you know, and like, we need to like hold them close and love them and show them and, you know, support them and whatever they're able to choose right now. And I think I was watching, it was really interesting. I feel like I've gotten like these like upgrades to like my brain and my soul during this process. I know it's like a weird thing to say, but no, I, was I watching. feel you. Cool. <laughs> I'm so happy I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> um, I was watching uh, Krishna Das. He's doing these uh, chants on Thursday. Oh, on they're YouTube. so good. They're so good, right? If you haven't watched Krishna Das on his YouTube Thursdays, he does it's like two or three hours or yes. four hours or longer where he chants and then he just answers questions and gives Dharma. Oh, he's so I know. brilliant. He is so brilliant. And I've been loving, you know, showing up for that. And the fact that he's doing this has been so remarkable. So thank you, Krishna Das. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, you know, I was, we were chanting with Chalisa and I felt like I had this total, um, like awakening to how important and how required we all are right now every single one of us. Mm. I could see how each one of us and whatever we were able, whatever our expression was in this, in that moment was creating this greater consciousness. Like it was so, I I don't have words. I wish I could like paint a picture of it (laughs) instead because I was like, Oh, we really are one. And like, we are all so important to all of this that's unfolding right now, each and every one of us, whatever it is that our expression is. And I just, I've held that upgrade or that moment of channeling so close to me. That happened at the beginning when he started doing it. So mm-hmm. months ago, I guess now mm-hmm. um, time is also, or beyond that, I think we've moved all, all of us have moved beyond time. Um, but that has been, I think that, moment has allowed me to really go into loving everyone for what or whatever is coming out of them right now and that's the great <laughs> ramdas yes and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah oh that gives me chills he's definitely holding us in the cosmic sphere with so much love and that teaching exactly love everyone we and have Maharaji. a lot of allies. Yes. And Maharaji. Yes. We have a lot of allies, I think, you know, and that's been another message for me. I've been really, I can speak freely. So I'm going to do this. I, yes. you know, I've had real awareness that there are light beings, other beings that are wanting to help us right now. And so like a me- that was a message I received and, you know, I've been doing my best to anchor the light, you know, I'm like, if you're coming in to help, like come now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. 
And more so than ever, that's true, the embodiment individually of anchoring in the light. And we're given, being given all of this time for our practice because we're no longer commuting and running here and there. And I know that's a huge, I'm just incredibly grateful for all my time at home to sing the Chalisa and to chant and to garden and to drop in and to do my practices like I never have been before, ever. That's very cool. Very cool. So you know the upgrades I speak of. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I feel like it's, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, yes. And I know everyone's experience again is like so multifaceted and there's the highs and the lows for all of us. The ones that are suffering have highs and the ones that are have highs also suffer. And it's so mixed together mm-hmm. in the spectrum of experience. And that speaks to the love everyone and the non-judgmental place that we hold others in too, because mm. they are all of that. Whether they're getting back to the mask, they're wearing a mask because they're afraid of getting sick. They're not wearing a mask because they're afraid of their civil liberties and their power being taken away. Those are both very valid, real fears. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And both equally important. Mm -hmm. and required actually, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people won't like me saying that, but it's true. Like for me, that's a truth. Mm -hmm. Um, really cool. Really cool. I'm glad that you, you can connect to, you know, that, that place of sort of holding it as all being, yeah, I have my I experience with that in my spiritual practices I get there, but also my psychedelic experiences. I feel like that's one of the main teachings of of those realms is the spectrum of experience and how it all just is. Yes. I would absolutely, absolutely agree with that. I'm talking about, you know, I was just talking with Eric about, you know, I'm ready to, you know, actually journey with a psychedelic very shortly it it feels time for me you know like in Palenque of course it is like a culture that very much supports the use of um, mushrooms as for growth and you know um, to connect with um, ancestral wisdom so it feels like um, you know a couple weeks ago I wouldn't have been ready but I feel like you know, I've softened a lot in these last couple of weeks and feel that I'm more, you know, I'm ready to sort of speak and, you know, extend myself out to people if people are willing to reach. So I'm looking forward to that journey very soon. Yeah, I've heard both people saying, I definitely don't want to do psychedelics right now. And others saying, oh my gosh, I need to do psychedelics right now. I've also heard the same. And again, that's that full total spectrum. All spectrum. All happening at the same time. And that that is very true. And recognizing we're on some kind of, we got on a roller coaster. It feels like a ride. It feels definitely different, poignant, potent, 
fertile and the unknown. I've never been thrust into the unknown like this. And on a collective scale, so it's true. so fascinating to be, um, yeah, just so, it's just so fascinating to be on this ride with everybody. I love how you worded that. It is completely, completely true. You know, we are on this full spectrum, you know, like I've called it a wave, right? Like riding a wave. So mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Um, and it has been definitely a process to be able to include all of it in, you know, um, to include all of it without the judgment. That has been, you know, every day, every day, I, I address those judgments within myself that I'm projecting outward. It's been, so yeah. I, I want to take that and maybe invite you as we come to a close like is there a practice that you could offer to those listening that could help them with the judgments in their own mind that maybe when they see them or hear them or witness them or how to let them go or move through them mm, that's a really good question I mean, the first step really, I guess, is to be aware that you are in judgment mm -hmm. and I like asking questions to me, a question has more space and possibility than, um, like a sentence or a statement. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, you know, when we're in conclusion about things, it's quite solid and we sometimes just create more evidence to support our conclusion. So I love asking like, I wonder what else is possible here? Hmm. You know, and usually I, there's something like a, a space opens up, you know, and I can um, expand into that space. I also, um, you know, I, I, love qigong i practice qigong every day and so even something when i find that i'm in my head a lot sometimes i just like take and like brush some of the energy mm. down like just very gentle i've been like gentle with myself i practice kidney breathing so i would like keep my hands and just like breathe into my kidneys your kidneys are the organ for calmness and gentleness and when your kidneys are imbalanced, the emotion that you experience is fear. And so for the first like four weeks, I'd spend like 10 minutes every day, just like breathing into your kidneys and like connecting to like a calmness, a, like a deep tranquility, a stillness that's delicious. And I would nourish my kidneys just with my breath. You know, and it was like I would move from the sympathetic back into parasympathetic. So I wasn't in flight or fight. I would move back into rest and digest. And it, it's, I feel like that was key as well for me in, you know, developing compassion about the judgments that I was experiencing. Um, you know, it's difficult sometimes to just like be like, yeah, I, yogis try to think your way out of 
what you're judging. Yeah. Yeah. They'll say that like yoga is a central nervous system experience, which is like Mm. what you're describing too with Qigong and just like calm your central nervous system down and then your mind will feel better. Yes. 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 And we're less judgy bitchy and we're more compassionate and we're more forgiving. Mm -hmm. And really one of the key principles with that too is yes, of other people, but really with ourselves. I'm more gentle and compassionate and forgiving with myself. When I don't judge myself, I'm not going to judge other people. When I'm, when I feel secure, I'm not going to judge what you're doing. I'm sure I trust you. You're doing what you're doing and I'm doing what I'm doing and it's all good. And I don't need to control you. Yes. And I have my own approval and I feel safe. Like your like your energies that you're working with. Yes. I I really feel like it's really important to take that time to do whatever it is that works for whatever works for you know you or me to move back from that state of reaction or, you know, a flight or fight of the fear and go into a state of calmness, tranquility, to be able to like maneuver because being in reaction, um, you know, it's going to like fry the nervous system essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so. Great. Well, those are helpful reminders for sure, bringing it back to the body in that way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. No, absolutely. Um, And I I find like when I see something that I go into judgment about, I, what actually helps me is like, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, think about how afraid they are. Yeah. That this is, this is like the only choice they have. I'm like, I can have compassion for that. I know what it's like to be afraid you know, and then I, my judgment melts away and like, they're my family again. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see them as separate anymore. Mm-hmm. That's been really helpful for me because, you know, I lived my life for so long, like in fear in, in that state. And you know, I know what it's like. And I have so much compassion for that. So, so, and then I just like extend my love out. Um, and it goes in as well. You know, I've been able to offer myself love. I didn't even know you could do that before, but when I am even in judgment and it's like, I can spend a lot of time there and like, I'm, nobody's perfect. Right. But you know, when I find myself like lashing out or la- like judging myself, you know, whatever it is, I get to say, you know, this may sound silly, but that's all right. I can say like, you know, but I love you anyway, Rachel. And it's, it's the truth. You know, I get to offer that to myself. Like, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, when I'm like, oh God, I can't believe you were, you know, (laughs) like, so like rude to this person or whatever it is, or like, look at your outfit today or, (laughs) you know, it's like, but I love you anyway, Rachel. And I'm like, yeah. Acceptance, Mm -hmm. forgiveness. Yes. Yes. So that's been some of the things that I've been practicing, you know, become more active in Mm -hmm. that space. Well, very wise, all great tools. 
It's like we, it's like I said this to Krishna the other day. I'm like, it's like as a spiritual warrior, we've had like all these like maces and battle axes and swords in our cupboard that were rusting. But now during this time, we get to take them out and really use them. A discernment and awareness and forgiveness and compassion. It's like on a daily basis, all these tools are coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much choice I feel like available to us. A lot of people wouldn't agree with me, but you know, I, I kind of like this energy of, you know, I feel like any choice we make right now is only good for 10 seconds. And then after (laughs) that's it. And then after that though, you get to make another choice. It's actually kind of freeing in some way. So I know that you're doing like yoga online and I'm so excited because I used to be, I was a hardcore Bikram girl, actually. That was like my jam for a long time. So I'm looking forward to coming to a class, but other than the yoga, where have you, you know, where have you drawn strength from or what tools are you kind of, I'm so curious. Well, absolutely chanting. Absolutely. Mm. Chalisa. I chant the Chalisa every single day. And I'm learning, I've learned now because I have all this time at home to play it on the harmonium. And so that's so enjoyable for me. It feels like such a like great little personal accomplishments. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. so now I do that for sure. And then time in nature, a hundred percent. We go on walks and hikes. We just got back from a, ho- a hike before, um, our conversation today, we snuck in like a big, an hour in the foothills. So that is one of my hugest ways of regrounding and reconnecting and clearing. And we have a wood-fired sauna. So we'll go in there and a cold plunge and we go that for our bodies and our minds and clearing the toxins and the negativity in that way. And ultimately, all of those things are pointing me back to presence. And so my Mm. practice is how present can I be in this moment? How present can I be? How present can I be coming out of the narrative? Yeah. The narrative of like pastness or judgment or even projecting into the future, what might happen or what do I need to do? It's like, no, all you can do is be present right now. That's beautiful. It's so true. So true. And in that presence, you you are more connected with your being, right? You're not in your thoughts, being nervous or regretful. Mm -hmm. And and really trying to rewire my internal doer and choosing to do less and choosing to be more like really, really, really for real doing that and it's I love it so much (laughs) (laughs) I've been challenged you know I'm like a task kind of girl I love achieving my tasks Mm -hmm. and um so to me this has been like also a real awakening into the the gift of presence of being aware and with what is and not what you have to think about or do. So I'm really happy you spoke to that. That's also been like a gift. Yeah. Huge gift, huge gift. And trying to even rewrite, rewrite the story of like deadlines. Like it has to be this day at this time and more into like, Oh, it'll happen if it's going to happen. 
that's not my normal MO or like you either. It's like tasks do so many things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Check to all the goals achieved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, I just love, I love the presence of it all. And yeah. So thanks for asking that. Yeah. Uh, I've also, you know, been, um, like how you said earlier, been very aware of how privileged um, I am and to have the luxury of, you know, engaging in these practices right now. Um, so many people, you know, they're, it's not available uh, to them for a multitude of reasons. Um, and in the beginning, I experienced some shame around it. Like I wasn't holding, you know, the suffering of others closer. Mm-hmm. But as I really unpacked that, I realized it was even it was even more my responsibility to practice these things and to uh, be more responsible with how I was thinking and to because you have a choice because and I have, have that the opportunity. And so it's like, well, it's even more my responsibility then to view this as an opportunity instead of a whole, you know, and, I, and that the shame of not of, of having, you know, the color of my skin and gender and where I live and, you know, whatever my bank account is and all those, you know, things um, to not punish myself about them, but to use them as opportunities to. To live it, to be it, to bring in the yeah. light, to anchor Thank the channel. You. Yeah. Thank so, you for speaking to that because I feel yeah. like ooh, many of us feel similar things. I know myself, I do as well, have those contradictory feelings or just broader perspectives come up. I saw a headline the other day that was like, wellness is only for the wealthy. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I guess I don't think of myself as wealthy, but you know, comparatively, you definitely are. And and it's true. It's that is true. Yeah. And it is a privilege. And it does and and because of that, we are then carrying that opportunity to not squander it. And 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 I have thought too, like, oh man, all these people that don't have the practices that I have, they might begin them now, but I've got decades with these practices. And I'm so grateful for that. And yes, it is a responsibility to continue to practice them. Because you know better. Yes, yes. And I believe, you know, um, you know, something that I really discovered in my access teachings was about how we're all so psychically connected. You know, our consciousness are are woven together. Mm-hmm. Um and so that the more we're able to do the work, it does affect other people. You know, the yes. more we're able to choose, that means other people can choose more too. Mm-hmm. Like the and, 100th monkey effect. Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm so happy you used that example. <laughs> um, and so I have really, you know, gone back to like, Rachel, you have to be so responsible about what you're even thinking right now. You must be. It is your responsibility for other people that aren't able to get out of um, that 
that sympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that may sound... I think of it like mother energy, like I'll hold this awareness for you. And I don't mean that in any kind of condescending way, but just that energy oh, of the mother who can like, I I can hold, I can, like mothers are so strong and so powerful. They take on so much. Dads are great too. But you know what I mean? It's like, yes. I can do this. Owning it, real like fierce, fierce embodied power of of choice, of yes, of taking things on yeah, I might want to make this choice, but I'm going to hold this truth for all of us. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought the mother into this. That's been like, you know, a very strong, like, uh, archetype, archetypal energy for me, you know, of just truly wanting to care for everyone. And, you know, the way that that manifests for me is in that practice. So I'm really glad that we, we brought that into the conversation. Yeah. The mother, the the strength of the mother, the strength of the mother, and now being able to mother in a way that I never was able to before too, with all this time with the kiddos. It's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. It's so enriching. It goes so deep now. Amazing. I was going to ask how are, you know, like my child is, 24 so he doesn't live at home but how are your children in this Maya's 16 and Benji's 8 and they both seem awesome on the outside and in the family unit but they're surrounded by like love and safety and goodness you know yeah I know that they miss their friends and we talk about the uncertainty of things now but we're with them too it's just presence and day-to-day every day, every moment. And I, yeah, I mean, before I was traveling so much, I still would see them a ton, but it was, it's, and with school, the schedule of school, you just, there's just less time with them. So now there's so, so much time. I think I'm like many mothers who are considering, do I put my kids back in school? How do I make this work full time? seems like I'm making it work. Am I making it work? Probably not. They're probably not learning anything. They're learning life skills. <laughs> <laughs> They're learning life skills. <laughs> I think that's really important right now. So, and it probably will be for quite some time to come. So, yeah, I have when this all started too early on, like end of April or sorry, end of March, I had this flash of like, we're going to look back, you know, 20 years from now and be like, remember those good old Corona times? We just had that, that like three month vacation at home. That's sugarcoating a lot of it, but you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. No, I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah, looking back, wow, that's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting um, place to be. Yes, looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much for this time to connect. I love it. I feel like a, a wonderful soul resonance of just witnessing you as an empowered feminine force, so creative and so bold and so um, authentic. So thank you for sharing yourself with me. Uh, Marissa, thank you so much. I you know, was honored when you asked me and like, I always, you know, we met at Arondas retreat, right? Yeah. But like mostly in passing. So 
but there was like something about you, like in your face where I felt like I recognized you, you know? So I'm glad that, and we interact on social media, but it's so nice to have this conversation sort of in person. Yeah. Um, to really explore those connections and the threads that sort of create that, our little web a little bit deeper. I've been really grateful. Thank you. You've been like an inspiration to me on Instagram. I love, you know, how much you are putting out there for other people right now. And I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for that. Like the meditations and it's been like continual with you. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. This is another side benefit of this time because I never would have done that otherwise. And I'm really enjoying having, yeah, I'm really enjoying offering in the way that I can through that medium. I feel grateful for it for sure. Cool. Well, people are listening, so we're grateful too. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Have a beautiful evening there. Good luck with all the things. And I know we'll connect again soon. Yes, I'm sure we will in yoga or Qigong maybe. Yes. I would love to do that with you. 100%. Awesome. <laughs> Bye. Bye.